Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Galatians chapter number 6. We'll dismiss our children to children's ministry as we go to Galatians chapter number 6. Any guests that are here, we're glad you're here. I hope you'll feel uh, like a guest. We want you to feel that way and versus a visitor. And um, we're glad you're here. We'd love to meet you after the service. I'll be in the back and love to be able to shake your hand. And if we could be of help to you, uh, please let us know. I know many times people go to church. They think they know what they need. They know what they want. But remember, church is not like restaurants. It's not like shopping stores. It's not here uh, so that it gives you what you want. Churches ought to be here to give you what God wants you to have. And sometimes people look for churches like they look for a restaurant. They're looking for the Yelp reviews and the Google reviews to find out what kind of ratings they get when you ought to look into the Bible and find out what does God think about it? What does God say about it? Again, the Word of God is our authority. And that's what sets us apart, not Canaan Baptist, but that's what sets Bible believers apart from those who talk about it and those who actually embrace it. And, um, and so... I, I hope you'll recognize all the reasons you think you're here. You're ultimately here because God's looking for you. God's wanting to do a, something in your heart and life. Galatians chapter 6, we've been going through the book of Galatians. We'll be done with it in a couple more messages. We'll be starting the new year with uh, our new theme coming up on Vision Sunday in a couple Sundays and launching into some different uh, directions, but I want to finish up the book of Galatians here and not miss out on what God has for us. And the last time we looked at Galatians, we looked at the emphasis of helping people and ministering to people whenever they fall, whenever they get into a, 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 a what the Bible refers to a burden. They get into a place where they have failed. They've been overtaken. They've fall into a trap, into a snare. And then the Bible does help us with the idea of what we can do and that how to minister to somebody. We don't want to shoot the wounded. We want to be able to lift them up and we want to help them. And there is a process in which we can minister to them and help them be able to be restored back to what the Bible describes as normal Christianity. Well, this morning I want to continue in that same vein of thinking and um, be able to look at not how we can minister to somebody else necessarily whenever there is a failure and sin has overtaken. But I want us to look at this morning on what we can do with our burdens. And so Galatians chapter 6, let's stand together. We'll begin our reading in verse number 2. We'll go down to verse number 5. Galatians 6, beginning with verse number 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Preaching this morning on what to do with your burdens. What to do with your burdens. Thank you. Please be seated. God does give us joy in the midst of storms. 
But it does not mean that he eliminates the burdens or he takes away the storms. Some may have a physical burden. Your physical sickness, illness, a prolonged uh, illness in your life, uh, a doctor's report that is troubling you. Maybe there is some handicap in your life physically and it's just a burden. It would be so much better in your thinking in your life if that burden could be lifted. It could be a physical burden you're facing. It could be an emotional burden. There's a circumstance in your family, something that is occurring in your life or the life of a loved one that is breaking your heart. Maybe you've come to church with a smile on the outside, but on the inside, your heart is breaking. There's tears on the inside. The Bible doesn't teach that Christians will not have burdens. Paul wrote many letters dealing with the burdens that God's people would face. Physical, emotional, but then there could be some spiritual burdens. You have someone on your heart who's lost, that if they took their last breath right now without Christ, they'd spend an eternity separated from God, and that spiritually breaks your heart. It could be a burden for someone who is a child of God, but far from God. Far from God doesn't mean many miles away from God. It means a decision that allows there to be a distance between you and God. And Luigi played during the offertory, nothing between my soul and the Savior. But when something gets between the soul of God's people and the Savior, it's a burden to others. Maybe this morning you know someone who is away from God and they're heavy upon your heart. There's all kinds of burdens. A preacher said to a group of preachers in a meeting to remember that when you get up to preach a sermon, there's at least one burden on a heart in that pew. But I think many times there's several hearts that are burdened on that pew. An old Chinese story tells of a woman who lost a little baby son. She went to one of the wise men in her village and she began to describe the hurt and the pain, how she could not get over that. And she asked, what could she do to somehow deal with the loss in her life of her baby son? The wise man said to her, go throughout the village. Visit every home until you find a home in which there is no sorrow. Ask for a mustard seed from the people in that home and bring it to me. and I will give you release from your burden. After a long while, she returned to the wise man. And she said, I visited every home in our village and there's not a single home without sorrow. How selfish I've been in my sorrow thinking I'm the only one who hurts because every home has sorrow. The Spanish proverb says there's no home without its hush. And there's no life without its burden. And so as believers, as God's people, and of course if you're not certain of your place in God's family... You can get that settled today. You need regeneration. You need the new birth. Coming to church doesn't make you a child of God. That just makes you somewhat religious. And religion is not what you need. You need a relationship with Him. But in the family of God and those who have settled their salvation, not because of what we have done, but because of depending upon the one who did it for us, we need to know how to deal with the burdens in our life. What to do about our burdens and what to do with our burdens. I'll give you three things. Number one, there are burdens that we have in our life that may be shared. 
There are some burdens that we're going to have to share, share with others. Verse number two says, bear ye one another's burdens. Now Paul is saying that some burdens should be and can be shared. One of the great ministries we have as God's people is to enter into the burdens of fellow brothers and sisters and help them to bear their burdens. It's one of the great benefits of a church family. Everybody needs a personal relationship with Jesus. Everybody needs a church family. We need to be sensitive to people. We don't need to be sensitive people. Our society is taking care of that. Just was reminded of a video clip of one particular worker, college age worker, that was having a meltdown because he had to go full time to school and work 15, 20 hours a week. And, and there were so many uh, people ordering and didn't have enough people. And, and so he makes this video of himself crying. And I'm sitting there, I laugh. Until I'm reminded that our society is filled with people like that. It's called work. My wife looked at it and she didn't see it to be as funny. She said, somebody needs to throat punch that boy. And <laughs> we need to be sympathetic, however, towards people. What's the difference between empathy and sympathy? Empathy and sympathy are not the same. Sympathy, you see these sympathizing cards that we may send, it means understanding someone else's suffering. It's more of a cognitive in nature. It keeps a distance. It just recognizes, I understand you're going through some problems. You know, you may have gone through a surgery. You, you may uh, have lost someone. You, your, your, your pet may have passed and um, you know, you're, you're sympathizing with them. I understand you're hurting. Your, your in-laws have stayed too long. You know, you're sympathizing with the pain. Empathy, however, means you're experiencing someone else's feelings. Sympathy says, I see you're in a ditch. Empathy says, let me get down there with you. We need to be able to empathize with people. And one of the things that will keep us from doing so is our own self-conceit. We're more focused on self. That's why Paul said in this verse, if a man thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. We're nobodies from nowhere with nothing. And we ought to ask God to help us be able to not sympathize, but also be able to empathize. In other words... We're deceiving ourselves if you think you can't go through the same thing. And we remain untouched, unmoved when someone else is carrying a heavy burden. I think about the different kinds of burdens that we can share, that we can help one another with. First of all, there's the burden of shortcomings. The Bible says that when you become a Christian, you're going to fail the Lord. You're going to fall. Sometimes people have said, well, in fact, many times... I'm not going to get saved. I'm not going to put my faith in the Lord. I'm not going to trust God to save my soul. In other words, I'm going to risk dying and going to hell because I don't think I can live it. You can't live it. He never said you could. 
He never expected you to live it. He expects us, this is what he went to the cross for, to call upon him to let him live through us. There will be failures. There will be shortcomings. There will be times of stumbling when you falter and fail. And when you do, you're going to need someone in the family of God, in the body of Christ, someone who's a Christian brother or sister who can come along and bring the encouragement that we need, who can cry and pray with us, and somebody who can help us when we have failed God. You're going to need that. There's burdens of shortcomings. Shortcomings, all of us have those. Why? Because God's not finished working in any of our lives yet. None of us are perfect. If you're saved, you're completely, entirely forgiven. But we're not perfect. That's part of the reason we have church. Because God is still equipping us. And what we do about a person who has shortcomings in his life is not necessarily lecture them or criticize them. But we want to sympathize and empathize and pray and encourage and help. doesn't mean we condone what they're doing. It just means we're saying, yes, you've messed up. We've been there and we're going to be there. While we're the good messer-uppers, Jesus is the good cleaner-upper of our mess. Let's get to Jesus. We have the burden of shortcomings. We can help bear one another's shortcomings. If we fail, we need someone just to point out to us, here's a failure. But Jesus is the answer. He's the healer. But then there's also bearing one another's sorrows. Many have sorrows here this morning. Broken hearts and various reasons, tragedies in the family, difficulties, divorce, death. And we can help people with their sorrows. Bear ye one another's burdens, a sorrowful Burden. Then there's a, another burden, and that's the burden of one's service. You know, in the work of the Lord, sometimes we get weary. The Apostle Paul sometimes grew tired, weary in the work of God, and he spoke of those brethren that God sent to him to encourage him in his service. Paul would point them out and say, I thank God for this person, this person who encouraged me in the work of the Lord. We can bear one another's burdens in the area of service. There were times that I'm sure had Paul not had someone to stand by his side that he would have felt like tempted to give up uh, sooner than other times. Paul had Luke, the doctor, with him. He had Timothy sometimes. On another occasion, he got a letter from the church of Philippi that encouraged him, money that was given to him. I tell you, we need to encourage one another in the service of God. I've often described church to be like a huddle in football. No one's really watching the game to watch them in the huddle. And many of us have enjoyed when they went to the no huddle because it was more time of action we got to watch. Church is like a huddle. We don't have a no huddle program. We have a huddle in which we come together. We understand God's plan. We understand God's play, how it's to be executed. And in God's play, it is to result in victory every single time. But then we've got to go from here. We've got to go to a place that is hurting and dying, who need Christ. And so we are to be the salt that God says we are. We are to be the light that God describes us to be. But we have to recognize here the importance of bearing one another's burdens of service so that when we go out of here, 
and we are interceding because the devil is not happy, never has been, about the work of God here or outside of here. And we need to be alert and praying for one another. We must encourage. Many times you grow weary. What a blessing it is that somebody comes along your side and stands by your side and says, don't stop. You know, it's always too soon to quit. I don't think I can make it another day, someone said. Well, if you're going to quit, don't quit today. And then the next day, that's my same message. You're looking at, I don't think I can make it through another year. We'll just make it through this service. You need someone to help bear that burden of sorrow. I think we have a lot of folks like Job's wife. When Job became discouraged, when Job was sitting in the ash heap of society there with his body covered in boils and sores, and when Job had been forsaken, it seems that his friends turned against him. He lost everything he had. And Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? In other words, she just said, why don't you just go ahead and get it over with? Just, just put, it out of your, put yourself out of your misery. If ever a believer in the Old Testament days shared in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, it was Job. All he humanly had left were his, was his wife and his three friends. And his friends turned against him in many ways. And no wonder Job felt that God deserted him. Curse God and die was exactly what Satan wanted Job to do. And Job's wife put the temptation before her husband. I don't want to be a, a vehicle for Satan to put that temptation before somebody else. Satan can work through people dear to us. And sometimes that temptation becomes stronger in our life to quit when it comes through somebody that is dear to us because of how much we love them. Adam, Adam listened to Eve. Abraham listened to his wife, Sarah. I'm thankful, however, Job did not listen to the advice of his wife. Let me say this is not about Job and Job's wife, but I do want to say she was wrong, of course. But in all fairness, consider her situation. I'm glad that all of my ramblings and what I'm thinking when I think out loud is not recorded in the Bible. But she lost 10 children in one day. And that would be enough to de devastate any mother. The family wealth was gone. She's no longer the leading lady in the land. Her husband, once the greatest man in the East, according to the first chapter and the third verse, he's now sitting in the city garbage dump. And he's taking pieces of potsherd and he's using it to scrape the boils on his body just to alleviate pain, suffering from a terrible disease. What did she have left in her estimation? Rather than watch her husband waste away in pain and shame, she had preferred God strike him dead and get it over with immediately. Perhaps if Job cursed God, God would do it. She's just saying, Job, just go ahead and quit. Everybody else would understand it. But folks, listen, when somebody's about to give up, it's very crucial that somebody else come along and see that and encourage them. 
Jesus didn't give up for us. Hebrews chapter 12, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And the writer of Hebrews says, now you put your eyes on Jesus because he says, lest you get weary and faint in your mind. Before a person ever gives up in a marriage, they gave up in their mind. Before a person ever gives up on God, they give up in their mind. Look away into Jesus. There can be a word of encouragement, a word of, of exhortation. Someone can come alongside and says, I'll help you. You're doing a great job for the work of the Lord. I think it'll change somebody's life. And, and Paul says, we're to bear one another's burdens. And notice what he says in verse number two. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I don't want to spend much time on this, but, but Paul is talking to people. Remember the, the, the Galatians, they were very big about this matter of law. I need a law. Uh, remember, and Abraham had some laws. And so they kind of in their mind went back to Abraham and circumcision and all that. So Paul is saying to him, to these people who were, Law happy. Why don't you care about others? And that takes care of all the laws. And he's really getting this from what Jesus taught in John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He says, that'll just take care of all of them. You don't have to carry around your whole tackle box of laws. Take this one and let your life be operating by love. See, love is like anything else in the Bible that's good. It can be misrepresented. It can be twisted and maligned. But really love, according to Romans chapter 13, love is the fulfilling of the law. Meaning what? Love does right. See, no one ever loves people and will let them continue in that which will take them to hell. Love does not love somebody to the point where you condone something that God could, could not stand and Jesus could not stomach so that he went to the cross and he died for our sins. Love doesn't say it's really okay when God says it's not okay. See, in other words, true love does right. True love will do right to you. You know, a young man puts his hands upon a young lady that's not his wife and pressures her and says, I love you. No, he doesn't. If he loves you, he'd do right. He would do right. And so Paul says, let me tell you, you just love God and love others, not take care of all the other laws. They all fit into place. The Bible has a lot to say about this relationship to others. He says, forgive one another. He says, encourage one another, exhort one another, love one another, be tenderhearted towards one another. There's a great relationship that we have in bearing other burdens. Some of our burdens need to be shared, and that means others need to share their burdens with us. Let me give you a second thing. Are you still with me? Turn to somebody beside you and say, are you still with him? All right. Because I don't want to call down anybody. You do it. Okay, you do that. <laughs> number two, some burdens. We'll look at verse number five. For every man shall bear his own burden. So number one, some burdens need to be shared. Number two, other burdens must be shouldered. He said, 
Paul, you just said, bear ye one another's burdens. Now, in verse number two, now you say, I've got to bear my own burden. Well, the reason is the word burden in verse number two is different than the word burden in verse number five. You say, it looks the same to me. Well, this comes from the Greek, and the Greek have, has nuances to it that it's not always conveyed easily in our English, but you could see it if you look at it in its context. But here's what he's saying. Verse number two, the word burden is a crushing weight. It is somebody who's going through a time in their life and it's just crushing them. It's breaking their heart. It's bringing them down. Somebody who's just crushed under a heavy load. The word burden in verse number five, it means a soldier's pack. Every soldier shall carry his own pack. Captain, did you have to carry your own pack? It means that there are some burdens in life that you have to be responsible for. There are some things that other people can't assist you with. There are some things, however, some people cannot do for you. Some of these we're going to overlap in these points, but here's one of the burdens that someone else cannot carry for you. It's the burden of sin. Our society is great at blaming people. One of the things that wearies me and probably does you as well, you see whatever administration we have in our government, they're always blaming the previous administration. And it, while there may be some fault of a previous administration, you know what leadership is about? It's about do something. You fix it. Leadership is doing the right thing, knowing what step to take next, why that's important, and what resources to bring into the equation. And our society has, has taught us that I can do whatever I want to do. I'm a victim. I deserve you to give to me, and I'll blame somebody else for my shortcomings. I want to tell you, nobody will ever become a child of God with that mentality. You cannot blame somebody else for what put Jesus on the cross. Christ died for my sin. You have to give an account to God. But you also have to be accountable to God for your own, not just sin, but your own service. Every soldier of the cross has to carry his own pack. See, God has something for you that I can't do for you even as your pastor. Ephesians 4 reminds me and I hope it'll help us understand that as a pastor, God gives pastors to equip the saints. For what reason? The word equip means to, uh, he uses the word perfect. It's to not make somebody perfect where they're sinless, but perfect to equip them for what reason? So that God's people can do the work of the ministry. See, many churches have become a theater and people come to watch and be entertained by what happens up here. And we can't do that. We're not going to do that. I can't do that. I'm not an entertainer. I'm not a politician. I'm not here to get your vote. I'm not here to tickle your fancy. I am simply here representing what God has for you, what God has for us, and helping us be able to be equipped to carry that out. And so you have to carry your own pack. God's given you a pack. He's given you a fear of service, and you have to bear that burden. Every soldier has to carry his own pack. Onward, Christian soldiers, as we sing. And so we are in a, in a battle, and we've got to carry our own service pack. Are you serving in the place that God has put you? Not in the place you want to be, but in the place God has you. 
Are you serving in the place that has been asked of you? Are you winning the souls that you ought to be winning? Are you witnessing to the people that God has placed in your path? Are you carrying out the ministry that God is equipping you for? Are you giving the tithe that only you can give on the income that God gives you? These are things that you have to carry. You have to bear your own burden, carry your own pack. Then there's the responsibility. Then there's the burden of self or the burden of responsibility of self. See, the Bible says that every one of us, every one of us, every one of us will stand before God. Every one of us has a, an appointment with God. And if you're lost and you die without Christ, you'll stand before Jesus Christ. Not to get another chance, but Revelation chapter 20 and 21 describe that judgment in which you will be given that death sentence of eternity separated from God. But as a child of God, the next thing on God's prophetic time clock is called the rapture. And Jesus can come back at any moment. There are no signs. There's nothing that has to be fulfilled in order for Jesus to come back. He can come back before this service is over, before the day is out. He came the first time as little baby Jesus 2,000 years ago. He'll come again. He'll come again one day as King Jesus. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. But those who are saved will be called up in the clouds in the air. First Thessalonians chapter number four. And be with the Lord and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the very next event I believe is the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says that the judgment seat of Christ he will be judging, discerning and exposing our motives and our works whether they be good or bad. There he's not dealing with our sin. A lot of th times people think as a saved person we're going to get to heaven God's going to deal with our sin. No, he did that at the cross 2,000 years ago. He's not going to be going and rehashing all of our sin. He's forgiven that. What he's going to be doing, however, is he's there. It's about rewards. And he doesn't give a participation trophy. No, that's called heaven. Just because you're a part of his family, you get eternity with him in heaven. But there he's exposing what we did do. Now, he's not saying you did good, you get a gold star, and you did better, and you get two gold stars. And he's not doing that, but he's showing, did you do what you did in your own strength? Or did you do it in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ? Were you abiding in Christ or were you just biting your tongue, gritting your teeth, doing the checkbox Christianity? I did my devotions. Well, you don't do them. You have time with God. I went to church. Yeah, but you complained and grumbled about it. And you sat like an island to yourself and didn't minister to anybody. And what you did do, you did it on your terms. And the Bible says at the judgment seat of Christ, there would be works that we've done that'll be placed out and he will expose whether or not it's fireproof. Fireproof meaning you abide in him and it'll never perish and it'll be precious stone or he'll expose self. You are saved and the Bible says that there will be people there saved 
so as by fire, but their life of Christianity, it was self. And it'll be wood, hay, and stubble. You've got to carry that pack. You've got to carry that burden. You have to carry that responsibility. But I want you to see that God's given us opportunities. And we ought to be grateful for the opportunities of service, of sharing, of loving people, reaching out, serving God. Many opportunities. And so there are burdens that we must share. Bear ye one, another burden, one another's burdens. And then there are burdens that we must shoulder. And that is, let every man share, uh, let every, every man, verse 5 rather, bear his own burdens. But then I want you to see the third thing. Will you take your Bible and go to Psalm 55? And I want to close this out looking at Psalm chapter 55. It's over about the middle of your Bible in that great book of Psalms. In Psalm chapter 55. Psalm 55, verse number 22. Let's read that together. I'll say the reference, and if you have it, read it together out loud. Okay, Psalm 55, verse 22, together. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Some burdens must be shared. Other burdens must be shouldered. But I want you to see third and last this morning, some burdens must be shed. There are times when even Christian friends and their prayers and their encouragement and their love and their sympathy, their empathy, their help, and all that they do cannot suffice. You still have that burden. That burden won't go away. And you wonder how you're going to live with that burden. I just don't think I can make it. God says, cast thy burden upon the Lord. He'll sustain you. He'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. Cast it upon the Lord. That word cast is the idea of hurl. Hurl that burden upon the Lord. Many times people come to an altar and they lay their burden down. But when they get done praying, they pick it up and take it back with them. And God says, you cast it upon the Lord and you leave it there. Amen. Shed that burden. What burden? Use some of the same ones we've talked about. That burden of sin. Who could bear the burden of sin but Jesus? Who could take away our guilt of sin? Jesus. If you have a burden of sin, you've got a burden of guilt because of shortcomings and failures and poor decisions and, and regret and transgressing the law, unwise decisions, your burden with sin and guilt, bring that sin to Jesus and leave it with him. That's why he went to the cross. He went to the cross in order that he would bear your sin burden. Think about not just the burden of sin, but the burden of service. How Jesus can help you bear the burden of service. Philippians 4.13, in reference to the prison where he was held, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 
This morning, it may seem like you can't go on. It may seem like you can't go forward. It may seem that you've reached an impasse and there's a blockage between you and victory. Jesus Christ, however, will bear that burden of service. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, Jesus said, and my burden is light. This morning, if you're laboring under the burden of service, you want to be used by God, but you're tired, you're weary, you're discouraged, you need your faith to be renewed, you need reviving, I promise you that at the feet of Jesus, the nail-pierced feet of Jesus, at the feet of the one who died on the cross, rose again from the dead, I promise you, you'll find somebody in Jesus who will help you bear that burden, but you have to cast and shed that burden upon him. Let me give you another burden that you need to shed, cast upon Jesus. And that is the burden of sorrow. You're heartbroken this morning because of disappointment and grief, life's trouble, life's difficulty. There's one. There's one who sticketh closer than a brother. Only the Lord can help you and sustain you in the midst of it. Cast your burden upon the Lord. Cast your burden upon the Lord and He will sustain you. It doesn't say He will sustain your burden. He'll sustain you. He may choose to take the burden away. He may choose to keep the burden upon you, but He will sustain you. He's the great burden bearer. Isaiah said it this way, surely he has carried our grief, borne our grief and carried our sorrow. Whatever sorrow, whatever burden, whatever heartache you have, Jesus has already borne that already. You know, when it comes, and, and that's one of the great things about I seen the mighty power of God. He can handle your burden in mind and everyone else's as well. And it doesn't cause him to break a sweat. You can break down in fact, these are three things you can do with your burden. You can break down under. I mean, you can collapse under that burden and just flat out quit. Or you can just freak out. And a lot of people freak out. And that's where the, the uh, drama comes in. You just go off on a tangent. You totally lose it. You explode and quit because it didn't go your way. It's not supposed to. It's supposed to go God's way. You can break down, you can freak out, or you can break through. And by breaking through, you're coming to Christ. You're putting your burden upon Him. You cast your burden upon Him. He will sustain you. And some burdens must be shed because they're too heavy to bear alone. And Jesus never called you to bear them alone. Peter said it this way, Cast all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. So there is one who will bear that burden. We sang, I think we sang it this morning. I love the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. We sang that men's prayer, didn't we? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's stand together, please, with heads bowed.